Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. The pandemic has helped public sector pivot from slow-moving and bureaucracy-driven to agile and adaptive organizations. But there's still lots of innovation to go. And in this episode, I'm shining a light on the Irish government's digital transformation strategy. Coming up in the show, I share innovative projects that we are working on with our public sector and government clients. What is a digital transformation strategy in practice? And I speak to Barry Lowry, Chief Information Officer of the Irish Government, about Ireland's digital transformation ambitions. I'm in the fortunate position where I get to see innovation in public sector in action on a daily basis because our team work with these agencies to support them when it comes to digital communications transformation and even more generally digital transformation across the organization. So I wanted to share in this column a couple of case studies of the types of projects that we're working on. I'm not going to name the organizations. I'll invite them on and they can act as a case study in the interview section of the podcast. But for now, I'll just talk to the the nature of the project. So let me start with building out a digital skills academy for one of our clients. So in this instance, the client had 1,000 individuals that they needed to train and they wanted a process that was scalable, that from a user experience was very accessible and they could access it on mobile, on the go, anytime, anywhere. And also one that would track uh, engagement performance and leave them with uh, meaningful insights. And so this project we recently completed and we were able to build a learning management system that allowed the seamless engagement with up to 1,000 individuals over a three month period. We were able to grant them access, mapped out the whole customer journey and all of that was automated and of all those 1000 individuals i would say the the three difficulties or the hurdles that we had was basically people um not seeing their login details and going into spam or using an incorrect email address which prevented them from registering on the platform so that was a really a uh, great project to work in and the organization themselves saw the value and are now looking at what other projects and areas within the organization they can transform using the Digital Skills Academy approach that we developed. Another project that we're just completing is actually telling the success story of transformation during the pandemic. And one thing I think, and I think you'll agree with me, and I don't think you'll get offended when I say this, is that one thing public sector are not great at doing is sharing your successes and telling the stories of your successes. So we've just completed a project whereby we've we've actually written the story. So I was able to come and have a look at um, what they achieved during the pandemic and I've turned it into a case study. So I interviewed a number of key people within the organization, had a look at their stats, 
had a look under the bonnet of the analytics and was able to weave that into a, a really lovely case study and then turn it into a, a presentation that they hopefully will bring to stages, not only across Ireland, but across the world, because this is indeed a global public sector case study worth listening to. Another project that we're doing with three clients at the moment is called Digital Marketing and Communication Strategy Done With You. So in this instance, we have communications professionals who really need a digital marketing or a digital comm strategy, and they want that support from me and that insight and expertise, but they also want to learn with me. So I've got three clients at the moment, and I'm doing a digital marketing strategy done with you. And how this works is I do 90-minute workshops with them and key people within their team. We tease out collectively all the areas of the digital marketing strategy. I run an audit, a comparative analysis, and I help the digital comms manager bring that strategy together. So I'm there as a guide and as a consultant, but they actually get to put their name on the final product and they're learning as we're doing it together. And then finally, um, we've just completed an actual digital transformation strategy for an organization. Now, this wasn't uh, focused on marketing because I've previously written the digital marketing strategy for that client. But they came to me earlier this year and said, listen, we've got a new strategy statement and we really want a digital transformation strategy. Can you help us? And so this involved all departments within the organization. And again, we had a focus group workshops, listening exercises and staff from across the organization fed into it. And so this was really about digital transformation organization wide. And in the next segment in my consulting piece, I'm going to show you what a digital transformation strategy looks like in practice. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. So let's take a look at what digital transformation looks like in practice. And it would be useful by having a look at a definition of digital transformation. So a journey that organizations take to rethink their business model and deliberately incorporate modern digital technologies that may alter their business process, culture, and the overall customer experience that they deliver. Now, while this definition uh, says business explicitly, then, you know, this is, I'm talking about the business of public sector because your customers are indeed your service users. And a really great question that we ask in when I'm delivering the, the Google Advanced Digital Marketing Workshops is, if you were starting all over again, what experience would you create for your service users? And that's a great place to start. So it's blue sky thinking, trying to get out of those rivers of thinking where, oh, I've identified this problem before, I have a solution. You're really starting with a blank slate and you're thinking about how technology can help create amazing, amazing experiences. Before an organization, in my experience, is willing to go down the road of digital transformation strategy, there's usually a discussion around the pain points and why it might not be the right time. And let's face it, 
whether it's business or life, there's never a good time for change. It just, it just, you need to embrace it. So let's go through the most current pain points that I hear from my clients. The big one is I don't have time. We don't have time for this, but it's all about prioritizing. It's not about having time. The other common hurdle is staff from non-comms departments saying, well, is this actually my responsibility? Can't somebody else do it? But the reality is that transformation has to come organization-wide. And yes, it is everyone's responsibility. Another fear is what if we fail? Failure is inevitable when it comes to transformation because you're testing and you're learning. You need the failure or the, the not perfect scenarios in order to learn what is best. Call it experiential or experimental. That's what you're doing. It's going to involve a disruption to day-to-day -day operations. That is a fact. So again, time is going to have to be bolted in to work plans. And, you know, do we really need to do it? Is this relevant to us? Well, I mean, the pandemic has proved to us that, unfortunately, the speed of technology and the speed of citizen and consumer behavior is at a speed of change that it is important and it needs to be done. You can outsource it, but again, whatever consultant that you work with is going to help you develop the strategy, the implementation processes, but ultimately uh, the internal team is going to have to work at it. And then finally, you know, thinking department or function instead of organization wide is a siloed mindset that is not going to stand you in good stead. One great tool that you can lean into, and this was from a digital marketing transformation perspective, is the Google and the Boston Consulting Group Digital Maturity Benchmark. It's a wonderful framework. Obviously, I know it from working with Google, but I definitely uh, use it with my own clients. And this will tell you at what stage of digital maturity your organization is at from a digital marketing perspective. There are four stages. You've got nascent, emerging, connected, and multi-moment being the most mature. And what it measures is the five A's, so looking at analytics and data, your assets and your ads, your audiences, are they segmented, access to information, is it shared right across the organization, and finally then layering up in terms of automation for scalability. And of course, you can see, depending on what stage of maturity you are at, you will see evidence of all of those A's. Digital transformation comes when we frame a problem and we kind of think, well, what happens if we don't do anything? And that's where we've got to change mindsets. And what we're doing is we're changing customer journeys and we're operating in a changing digital landscape, for example, in 2023, navigating into the cookie-less world. We don't want to be disconnected from audiences. We want to be wholly connected. And in that way, we need to transform. A lot of people might feel irrelevant in a changing marketplace. And that's really one of the reasons that they come to me to try and inform them. And I was speaking to a client yesterday and I said, my role is to give you my knowledge based on my experience and all my years of research, academia, writing, and now my years of practice. And that's what I do. I insource my knowledge into the organization, create systems and processes that have a legacy impact 
and then train the teams. And that's really what you want to achieve. And when you do the work and when you commit to it, you will achieve that transformation. But ultimately, the reason that we're engaging in transformation is to get a super thank you from our happy service users who are having a delightful and accessible and a real-time fantastic experience um, with your organization. And of course, you've heard me talk about this study before, the McKinsey study on digital transformation in government and why they're underperforming, a monopolistic mindset, providing a one-size-fits-all service, not addressing the capabilities and the gaps, and then having data that's in silos. So digital transformation strategy need not be scary. Uh, and if you're interested in you know, finding out more, be sure to get in touch. In today's episode, I want to introduce you to our brand new knowledge product, and it's called Social Media Done For You. Think of it as like social media in a box. All the tools, strategies, and policies that you would need to implement great social media within your government or public sector agency. We've just released it on our website, publicsectormarketingpros.com, and you have lifetime access. And this includes any updates that I make to the resources. So what can you expect? Well, you have a template social media strategy, you have a range of social media policies, you have a 365-day inspiration calendar for social media, you also have checklists when it comes to hashtags, social and live video, auditing of your social platforms, and you also have template graphic designs that we have created in Canva, and all of these come with tutorial videos. So if you want our social media done for you product, go ahead, check it out on our website. And really the price is amazing. A one-stop shop, digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. So there's one man that knows everything about the Irish government's digital transformation ambitions, and that is Barry Lowry, who is the government's CIO. And he's been the chief information officer since April 2016, with the primary task of taking forward the government's digital agenda. This includes developing the use of shared services, digital ID, digital services, and data to better serve the people of Ireland and ensure that Ireland is well-placed to influence and exemplify the EU's digital ambitions for 2030. Barry is also the Chief Advisor to Government on all digital matters affecting the state and its citizens. He was previously the Director for IT Shared Services and Strategy and Head of the IT Profession within the Northern Ireland Civil Service. Barry is a Fellow of the Irish and British Computer Societies and is a former winner of the BCS Northern Ireland IT Professional of the Year. He was awarded an OBE for services for the Northern Ireland Government and the Northern Ireland Computer Industry in 2017. Ari, thank you so much for joining me on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Great to have you here. Thank you, Joanne. So listen, you are leading out on the government's digital transformation agenda. And let's start with the government's digital strategy and ambitions. How would you sum them up? Well, 
How long have you got? Um, well, really, uh, the Connecting Government 2030 document, which was published last month, sets out six priority action areas, four core design principles, and it effectively leads to four key outcomes. So what are the four key outcomes? They're services, digital government services that are fast, intuitive, and, and the public will enjoy using them and choose to use them, which is important. Secondly, that they're trusted, secure, and inclusive. Um, the third, which is really important to us, is they're developed through collaboration and very much value focused. And when we talk about that, we mean collaboration with the users themselves, but also collaboration with other government bodies. In other words, reuse where possible rather than reinvent. And then the fourth thing is that they become foundation stones for additional value, whether that's the data they create or whatever that happens to be. So, I mean, we can go into the, the design principles and so on if you like, but broadly speaking, that's that's the main focus of the strategy. It's very much um, in that space that we saw the years between 2016 and now as building strong foundations for being a more digital government. So in that space was things like the gov.ie portal, the growth of MyGovID, building the underlying infrastructure, um, creating important legislation like the Data Sharing and Governance Act. So we've done all those things now. So now it's about, okay, we've really built ourselves up now to, to really push on and, and let's talk about how we do that and set out plans for doing that. So I work with Google on their advanced digital marketing masterclasses for their clients. And one tool that they have developed in conjunction with the Boston Consulting Group is the digital maturity benchmark, right? So it talks about how digitally mature organizations are from nascent to micro moment and micro moment being most mature. Now, sidelining that, that kind of framework, how digitally mature do you think the Irish government is in comparison to, to other countries across Europe? Well, there's a very complicated answer to that, but we do know the answer. Um, in, in the EU, they use what's called the Digital Economic Society Index, DESI. And that measures a number of things, but it effectively seeks to measure the digital health of your country. Now, it looks at things like infrastructure, small business, um, public appetite for, for digital and so on. But on that... Uh, Ireland at first sight is in a really, really good position. We're fifth and we're, we're, we're up there with the Scandinavians and, and the Netherlands. But actually, when you drill down and look at digital government services, we're 16th. So we're not so good. And the reason for that uh, is that they look into the sectors as well as uh, central government. So if we look purely at the departments and people's experience of those, Broadly, we're pretty good there. We'd be one of the better ones. But when you look into health and local government and so on, it gets a lot more patchy. And, and, and that's what they do, of course. And I think the challenge, specifically the one that's set out in our national digital strategy, uh, Harness and Digital, is about the whole of public service raises its game, not just a department or an agency. And one study that I love, it came from McKinsey in 2018, and they looked at why customer experience uh, wasn't as good in public sector as it was in private sector. And this is a, a global study. And 
one of the factors they said was a monopolistic mindset whereby government would say we will provide services to you how we dictate um how you know what suits us but in your very opening statement there and one of those key outcomes you said delivering a public service that uh, how the public want to receive it so that is hugely refreshing and you know you also mentioned that european framework that measures digital health and the complexity of multiple agencies within government and not just one government agency so how do you transgress that hurdle of bringing all of government together to streamline the delivery of public service when you have different people heading different departments different cultures different mindsets different skill sets i mean is it your job to bring all of this together and how are you trying to achieve it yeah it is my job and um Maybe just explain that the national digital strategy aligns to the EU uh, digital decade. So the EU have set out targets for 2030, broadly across four areas, which are uh, digital business, digital infrastructure, digital skills, and digital government. Now those four areas feed off each other and they're they're interdependent. Um, but in the uh, harnessing digital, the national digital strategy. I'm the senior responsible owner, if you like, for the, the digital government quadrant. Now, I've interest in all of the areas and I'm on the, the, the senior officers group that looks after them all. So broadly, what we've tried to do with our strategy is, is play into that area, which means by delivering our strategy, we're, we're delivering against the whole 2030 framework. So that, that gives me, I guess, an element of, of, of influence because digital government is everything that we touch relating to government. Um, just on your McKinsey quote, I think they oversimplify it. I think there's two big differences between government and the private sector when we look at digital. The first one is we're not in competition, really. You know, so if 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 Aer Lingus create a much better digital customer experience, then Ryanair will will respond, or vice versa. And likewise, in in retail and and all of those areas that we look at. But government doesn't necessarily have a competitor in that space. But then where we're different is everybody's our customer and we want everybody to be happy. So if you decide you want to open an Amazon account and you don't have access to technology and you don't have a credit card, they'll say, thanks very much, Joanne, but maybe you should just walk down your high street. Uh, whereas government, we will say, of course, we'll provide you with the services that you need, whether that's digital, assisted digital or face-to-face. Or, or -face. So to answer your question, the way you get everybody on board is you start with the, the, the user outcome. And so um, you can call these principles. I, I tend to actually call them truths because I think a truth is something that's much bigger than a principle. So, for example, um, everyone having the right to the same quality of government service. That's just the truth. You don't talk about principles when it's something as important as that or the right to privacy or, or any of those things. So what we have said is that the digital um, expenditure, the digital strategy should benefit every person who lives in Ireland and indeed people in the diaspora who rely on, on digital government services. And by that, what we mean is that someone like yourself who, who prefers to go digital first, then you should get a really good experience, the best experience that we can give you. 
But if we achieve our objective by 2030, that 90% of people are following the same journey as you are, then we should also then use the resources we're freeing up to give a better experience to the 10%. So as everybody benefits from government going in that space. And when you start talking in that way, it's very difficult to argue with that. And it's very difficult to argue with um, principles like people should only tell us the, the, something about them once, that they've changed their address and so on. They shouldn't try and have to remember how many touch points they've got with government. That all should be taken care of with them. Um, they should only really have to identify themselves, the government once when they're using a service. They shouldn't have 15 or 16 different logons and passwords to remember and all of those sorts of things. And so it's by looking at the user journey map, we can start then to go backwards and look at the services that they need and how we provide them more consistently and better. And I think the government took um, a really courageous decision when gov.ie was established uh, a few years ago now, because they said not only was it going to be the front door to government services, it's going to be the room for government services as well. And so what we did during that period and through that plan, working with Taoiseach's department and the departments themselves, when we were moving content over, we were reviewing it and we were basically making sure it was intuitive to people with learning difficulties, with language difficulties and so on. So we were, we were completely rethinking how government communicated with, with its people. Um, and uh, that, that got huge support and people accepted then across public service that doing it in this way, in a consistent way, where all the things you searched for, you followed the same mechanism was the right way to do it. And so all we're really doing is extending that to um, many of the actual systems themselves. You've kind of already answered my next question in terms of what role does your team play in terms of digital communications? Because obviously that's kind of the area of transformation that I'm interested in. And I've seen, and I, as a kind of a, an expert or a nerd in this area, whatever you want to call me, I watch on the outside and I've seen the evolution and particularly through the pandemic, government has proved its agility and its willingness to adapt uh, under huge stressful situations. But that evidence can now be taken and can be scaled. And so, you know, from a communications point of view, you mentioned gov.ie, you know, are you acutely aware of the importance of that line of communication between public and government? Absolutely, Joanne. And in fact, one of the best hires I think I ever made was to bring in a, a couple of journalists to work with us on gov.ie because what we were finding was that we had, and I'm talking here generally as, as the government or our public service, we had a very specific prescriptive way of communicating with our stakeholders. In other words, we communicated with uh, the person in the street in exactly the same way as we would communicate with a minister or a journalist. And so what we did was as part of creating the, 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 the digital spaces, if you like, that the, the gov.ie is made up of and migrating departments into those, we then provide them with advice as to how they might rethink and re, re profile their content. And that was invaluable. And 
we we actually worked with a couple of the departments and we 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 brought in with where their customers were and we bribed them with coffee and donuts and we actually asked them to try the user journey map in the old way of doing things and in the new way and uh 90 100 percent of time they preferred the new way simply because it was written with them in mind it actually sketched out their journey and tried to um, um at every step of the way make it easy for them to find the next step so actually where we're going over the next few years with digital government is to bring them into the center of everything that we do and try and really get them to tell us what they like or, or not. And by the way, Gov.ie, we experimented with that. You know, I, I remember the team and I, we picked what we thought were the three or four best early adopters of this way of working across Europe and globally. And we showed them to a group of Irish people with our own prototype and they all liked our own prototype better. They liked the simplicity of it. They liked they liked the harp. You know, there was there was things which they said, "No, keep that in. That makes me feel safe." And it's interesting. You know, you'll know this as a marketing expert, but this was all new to us. That those little things, those little nuances, really change how people feel about uh, engaging with a particular site. And I guess, although there was an element of necessity, the proof of the pudding was in the eating because in 2019. We were very happy. We'd got six million visits to gov.ie in 2020 for obvious reasons. It was 100 million. But what that actually taught us was people were listening to the Taoiseach speak on the news and they were following up on gov.ie or possibly simultaneously and getting the detail of the information. And often the Taoiseach was talking about gov.ie as well, you know, and, and government communications were as well. They were seeing it as being the communications tool of choice because it was so fast, it could be changed quickly and so on. I absolutely agree. Like I've lost count of how many times listening to radio shows, radio is my kind of chosen medium um, of journalists and presenters referring to gov.ie, you know, speaking to ministers, or oh, well, that hasn't been updated on the website or it has been updated or, you know, this is new information. And that level of trust is very important because you know, as arbiters of the truth, um, and it was a changing landscape almost daily in some instances, people really needed to go somewhere. And so uh, your prototype definitely worked out. So did your experiment with hitting 100 million views. But let's talk about, you know, you obviously have to champion transformation and transformation comes in many forms and there's many facets to it, like strategy, implementation plans, milestones and all of this good stuff. But a lot of it also comes down to, you know, uh, people shifting their mindsets and being willing to change their work processes and embrace new ways of working in technology. So how do you champion uh, transformation within the team and within the people within the government? Well, what, what we try and do, uh, what I try and do is persuade them to own the outcome, to find the direction of travel as compelling as I personally do. And the best way to do that is often to co-create with them. So we run um, the governance structure for digital government, and there's a number of, of, of different um, uh, structures in, involved in that. But often we'll sit down with 
our wider stakeholder group and try and design the direction of travel with them and get their support. So for example, um, when the first strategy was produced in 2015, I arrived in 2016, we worked for two intensive days with the heads of IT in all government departments and built what was then called the 18-step plan, which was in other words, um, a strategy is one thing, but we want to feel in three years we've progressed it in all the key areas. And so these 18 steps focused on the five key elements of the strategy and set outcomes that we would achieve in all of those. And, uh, and we did that, you know, uh, um, we drove all of those and we involved them in the governance. So getting, getting shared ownership of the vision is, is a really important part of change. We're also lucky that we have, uh, or I have in, in, in my unit, what's called the Digital Government Oversight Unit. So we get to see investments as they're coming in. And that can often mean saying, well, this is a good idea, but we would like you to rethink how you're doing this or, or how you're doing that. So um, a great example of that was the National Child Care Scheme, where um, when they first approached us about the digital solution, and I would applaud what they did there because they started off with the user journey which meant that they focused very much on the on the digital uh, solution. And they knew a very large proportion of their client base, i.e. people with, with young children, would be digital natives. Um, so when they when they talked us through their journey, we said, but why don't you use MyGovID? Because a lot of people who will be using your service will already be in the receipt of child benefit and they'll have all of this uh, personal architecture and, and, and so on available to them. And, and they supported that. And, and that was a huge success. So um, sometimes using the opportunity of, of having that oversight of what the departments are planning to do and talking to them about how they might do it in a more aligned and strategic way, it's a great opportunity for us as well. We touched on the pandemic, but, you know, what impact did the pandemic have on expediting transformation within government. Google say that we experienced a decade of transformation in, in 12 months. Would would you concur with that within your own business of government? Absolutely. Um, we saw growth in all of the digital government services, but I think more importantly, we actually saw a mind shift in people. So a lot of people who, who would have said, I could never see myself doing that, all of a sudden they did it and they, they, they found out it was it was relatively easy. So things like, you know, pop payments and so on, which were very quickly created as online services, the adoption rate on them was, was huge. But I guess the one closest to my heart was the digital COVID certificate because we had to very quickly engage with many, many stakeholders and get them to be part of a completely different way of thinking, which was to help the, the, the country return, you know, to some form of normality post lockdown. And so we started off with this EU regulation, which related to travel, and we very quickly moved to getting a minimum data set from uh, the HSE and the Department of Health to using the cloud to create this certificate which was effectively a proof that something had happened to you 
but it was a proof that you wanted. It wasn't government developing this for its own reasons. It was meeting a need because you wanted to travel. So we give you this proof. And then, of course, hospitality opened up and we created a minimum uh, data set that if someone was checking your certificate in a in a bar or a, or a coffee shop, they would only see the minimum data set and so on. So all of those things really help people to understand the power of digital. And so now when you talk about where we would like to be is let someone have a digital um, driving license on their phone and a digital insurance certificate and not have to remember to carry these paper artifacts with them everywhere they go. They get it immediately. They say, that's like when I had the digital COVID certificate on my phone. And of course, the other huge development in that was the pan-European dimension because the EU had been talking about cross-border services for a while. And then all of a sudden, just in a period of months, you could go to Italy and you could show your Irish digital COVID certificate and they knew you'd been vaccinated or they knew you'd been tested or recovered or whatever that happened to be. So that, that was a really powerful example of where government used the pandemic to do not just immediate things, but things which will serve as well in the in the longer term as well. So what about the changing demographic in the workplace as well? You spoke about parents potentially being digital natives uh, when it came to the national childcare scheme, but I have a sense that with millennials and Gen Z generation filling up our, our workplaces now, that, you know, are they some what of a catalyst for internal digital transformation. You know, you've got young doctors coming into hospitals, you know, when they live their lives through their smartphone and then suddenly they're faced with maybe a paper trail and filing cabinets and porters walking around hospitals. So do you think that, you know, that intergenerational kind of paradigm shift and pressure point is having a positive impact on digital transformation within government more broadly? Yeah, uh, um, I must be careful what I say here because I remember going to a coffee shop in Malahide and there were two senior citizens in the queue in front of me and they both took out their smartphones and had their digital COVID certificates scanned and went in quite happily. So I think it's more a question of desire than than age. But um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing, um, I guess, differences in preference as to how digital government services are used. We're, we're also seeing changes in preferences to how people work, of course, which is, is the other big thing, you know, which has been debated post-COVID. Are we going to return to the way it's always been or are we completely reimagining a new way of working? And certainly the younger ones in particular want to reimagine a new way of working. Um, and so that's going to be a challenge for us because a lot of these people are the talent that we need to continue the, the the pace of evolution that we've got. And so we need to facilitate them to give of their best. And that means we need to think differently. But um, what, what we're seeing in terms of um, how we advance the digital agenda, they're bringing very specific ideas on how to do things. So they understand blockchain and they understand artificial intelligence and so on. But ultimately, uh, really good innovation comes from people who understand the business and they understand the blockages and they understand where there's poor customer experience. So I think that there's room for us all in this 
digital transformation. And I think we are talking about transformation over the next few years, not just the evolution, that won't cut it. Uh, we need we need something bigger. And I think that will challenge us as a, as a country as well about our digital aptitude. You know, it's not enough to think a bit like, you know, you mentioned doctors, you know, if a percentage of your people are training to be doctors and nurses, well, then that should cover your, your future needs. But actually with digital, it's different because it's just going to be so many jobs are going to be dependent on, on a degree of competence and aptitude. And then we're going to need to grow the talent to continue to make Ireland a desirable place to invest and, and to start up business and, and all of those things. And there's one common denominator that binds all of this together when we talk about digital transformation is, and that's data governance. And there's been many, many discussions and debates and we've had new legislation and still governments need to um, copper fasten their legislation as technology changes. But, you know, a CIO, you hold the, you are the guardian of the data and, and the governance piece. And so you seem to come to this with a, with a level of confidence, but also a level of respect for the public. And there's, there's a definitely a meeting in the middle. So there's, you know, protecting data, respecting data, but giving the public uh, what they need and what they demand. So is that something that you think we've we've figured out, the data governance piece? I, I think it's starting to be recognized um, actually worldwide that um, Ireland, regardless of which government has been in power, has always treated data respectfully and and carefully. And um, when you look at the most recent OECD report on trust, what emerged was that our public service in Ireland is up with uh, Denmark and Finland and so on, the most trusted in Europe, that uh, the pub how the public trusts uh, public service in Ireland with their data is amongst the highest in Europe and so on. Ireland's top quite right quadrant for virtually everything. And I think what that demonstrates is that way back, probably several years ago, when, when the Data Sharing and Governance Act was first in inception, um, the desire was that Ireland wasn't just a digital leader, but it led Europe's thinking in terms of stewardship of data as well. And one of the outputs of the Data Sharing and Governance Act is that every data sharing agreement for data sharing that takes place between departments in, in, in Ireland will actually be put out to public consultation and will be published. In other words, it's entirely transparent. And OECD have publicly said that Ireland is one of the most for, forward-thinking countries in the world in this space because they know the Data Sharing and, and, and Governance Act very well. They actually sit in the Data Governance Board as a, as a critical friend. So I think where we're going with this is a, a really exciting and open place. And, and, and I'm not taking all the personal credit for that. You know, a, a lot of ministers and so on worked really, really hard and legislators to, to get us to where we are today. It's my job now to make sure that we implement all the things that we talked about and we're making great progress. The Data Governance Board is up uh, and running and, and, and it's going through um, the process now of, of agreeing and approving the data sharing agreements. 
that are coming in from the various departments. So we're in a very healthy position, but I, I think let's not get complacent about it. Let's let's keep that appetite for change and, and, and leadership going. And of course, I think it's important to to reiterate that trust is earned. You know, you just don't get trust overnight. So that trust has been earned with the public through years and years and that constant communication and telling the people and consulting with the people of what you're doing and it really stands to so yeah i think it's really nice to hear where we are standing uh, on a european leaderboard but also within our own country and how people trust us but on the theme of innovation you're also within your own department hosting innovation week and i know it's at the early stages and you can't disclose too many details but what can you say and maybe you want to make an appeal to maybe some of the listeners to the show to maybe put some of their projects forward because i often find and this is why i have this show is that i find that um, a really great case study is a great way to tell a story and very often they're not very good at coming forward and shouting about themselves so i kind of like to get people on the show and say let's talk about the achievements that you had so what do you want to say about innovation you can you can kind of plug it now as if you're on the late late show okay well it's on on the 24th to the 28th of october that's the first thing to say i think actually the second thing to say is i think in, innovation is sometimes a misunderstood um term and i, I bang on about this quite a lot uh innovation isn't invention um, and it, it's not done by geniuses on their own and so on. It's done by teams of people and it's actually problem solving. It's this desire to go through all your processes and say, are there imperfections in those and are there ways in which we can fix them? And sometimes little fixes by someone who just knows this little part of the process make a difference to the, the whole service. So I would appeal to people that you don't need any qualifications. You don't need to be a techie person. You don't need to be a certain grade. You don't need to be a certain age. <laughs> Innovation is something that anybody who cares about the service they provide can do because they'll know through their knowledge of the service that there's things that they can do to fix them. Now, one of the other things we're going to try and encourage over the next year, we might talk about it more in Innovation Week, but it's another personal, I guess, thing of mine. And that is that I've become very aware in this role that we have some brilliant startup and SME capability in Ireland. But sometimes they're very frustrated because they don't always get an avenue in to into public service to test some of their thinking. And so... We're going to try and open up a capability where they can almost submit their ideas for improvement because you would know yourself, a lot of startups can be someone who maybe worked in the health service who really wanted to change something and they knew someone that worked in tech and they come together and they start up this company for change. That's where a lot of it comes from, just the pure passion of being involved in, in the service and, and seeing where you might you might fix it. So we want to create opportunities um, for those sorts of solutions to get their way into government. And those ones that really look like that they're working, we believe that there's the procurement vehicles available to us that we can not just build them into prototypes, but actually build them into sustainable solutions. So that's a, a very exciting opportunity that we're hoping to 
launch around um, the Innovation Week, but then really take forward uh, over the next couple of years. And is there a particular website that people need to go to? Obviously, gov.ie, right? But is there a landing page that you have, or how how will we signpost people? I'll put the link in the blog post. Then in the... I think I think the link in the blog is the best way to get through to it. Don't worry, I'll do that. But listen, final question. So maybe we have CMO or CIO colleagues um, in government and public sector, even outside of Ireland, listening to this. And with all your experience, uh, what what three tips would you give to them? on how they can scale digital transformation in complex organizations. How have you kind of, you know, what have you learned that you can share on and pass on to your peers? Uh, well, the, the first one's always, it starts with the user. Um, you know, I often use that quote by Steve Jobs where he says, even him and Apple realized that starting with the technology was pointless. You had to start with the, the user journey or the user requirement. So start with the user. I think we have a motto in OGCIO, which would be the second one, which is earn the right to ask for more. In other words, just because you have a, a good idea, don't end up pumping you know, hundreds and thousands into it, hoping something happens. Work out a way which you can start small and very quickly demonstrate the benefits, You know whether that's prototyping or or a modular approach. And of course, you know, Agile lends itself extremely well. Uh, and we use Agile and OGCIO to do that. So that, that would be the second one. And third is no idea is a bad one. Every, every idea can, merits some form of more detailed exploration because um, people get frightened to submit ideas, as I said, because they think ideas are, 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 are the role of the most you know, uh, senior in the organization or whatever that happens to be. But actually, it's often the ideas that come from the person who's closest to the point of service that are the best ones. Oh, great. Listen, Barry, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to talk to you and thank you for your time. And it's been really refreshing. And I think you've given people um, some really good insights in behind the door of digital transformation in Ireland's government. So um, thanks very much and best of luck with Innovation Week. Thank you, Joanne. It's been lovely to talk to you and hopefully we'll see some people in person at some of the Innovation Week um, events. And if they're there, come over and say hello. Wouldn't that be innovative now, an in-person event? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. In this week's show, I am sharing with you our next free webinar, Podcasting for Public Sector. If you have been thinking about setting up a podcast, then be sure to tune in. But if you already have a podcast, then you will definitely get some added value. Thanks as always for sharing the podcast with your peers. You guys are my greatest advocates, so do also, as well as listening, share it with a public sector pro that you know. And if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. But from me for now, until the next episode, have a great week. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform.